Good morning and welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR and WRCR.com. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County and our topic today is Hightower, the 1956 movie musical based on the play of the same name by Maxwell Anderson. And my guest uh, is film historian Joe Ransky, who's been working with the Historical Society of Rockland County to bring the film to the Lafayette Theater in Suffern for a rare screening October 1st. And later in the program, longtime journalist and columnist Art Gunther will join the program to shed light on the local history related to the conservation of Hightower. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a four-acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Blauvelt House located at 20 Zucker Road in New City. It's listed on the National Register of Historic Places and a newly designated New York State Path Through History site. Part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland with the public, and we rely on financial support for membership and donations from people just like you. To learn how you can become a member or to volunteer, please visit our website at rocklandhistory.org. Before we begin the program today, I'd like to remind our listeners that this is a call-in show, and we welcome your phone calls. Our phone lines will be open throughout the broadcast, so please call us if you have a question or a comment. Our number here is 845-362-0013. That's 845-362-0013. So welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History, Joe Ransky. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Claire. There's a really special thing about High Tour, and I'm so happy to be able to speak to you about it. So before we begin our exploration of the movie, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, there's really not too much to tell. For over 30 years, I was the senior film and video historian at the New York Public Library, film and media collections, first at Donnell, opposite Museum of Modern Art, and then at the Performing Arts Library at Lincoln Center. I program films throughout the country, from Catalina Island to the Film Forum in New York City. In addition, I've been on the executive boards of the New York Film and Video Council, Cinefest, Cinecon, where we presented rare films of recent restoration, reintroducing them to new audiences. And perhaps most importantly, I've been involved in the rediscovery of lost motion pictures, their restoration particularly the works of silent film star Colleen Moore and next month Alice White's lost work, Showgirl. So how did you become acquainted with Hightower, the film? I have to admit I'm old enough that I viewed it when it was originally broadcast on television. But more importantly, because my family didn't have a copy of the DECA record, I used to borrow the Fairfield Public Library's circulating LP copy to listen to the excellent score. So tell us a little bit about your connection to the Crosby family, and more specifically to Catherine Crosby. Okay, I've been very fortunate to have been involved with Catherine Crosby for many years. After being centennial year, I approached Catherine with the idea for a two-month film and video series at the Donnell Media Center, where we featured very rare films and videos, including Bing's own copy of Here's My Heart from 1934, and we had his co-star, Kitty Carlisle, on stage speaking about her experiences working with him on the film. We also did things like East Side of Heaven, If I Had My Way, the Chrysler Theater, um, 
the house next door starring Catherine Crosby and Bob Hope as a married couple, but most importantly, Bing's last program, the Michael Parkinson Meet Bing Crosby program from 1975 in London, where he had a 50-piece orchestra backing up Bing and went over his entire career performing and doing a duet with his son Harry for the last time. Later, I've done more than five programs, concert programs actually, with with Catherine, which included Bing and Bob Hope, The War Years, My Early Times with Bing, Bing The Later Years, and in 2015, My Near Brush with Death. And as we focus on this film uh, in particular, can you put the film in context in terms with what was happening in television at the time? Of course, this film was first broadcast in 1956 on television. And if you can set that context for us and how that might have influenced the decisions about this movie. Well, during the 1950s, television was attempting to compete with the motion picture industry with a large series of specials, such as Ford's 50th anniversary show with Broadway greats Ethel Merman and Mary Martin, Satin and Spurs with Betty Hutton, And during the 54-55 season, television mogul William Paley boldly lined up a series of 90-minute specials for CBS television, the Ford Star Jubilee. Bing Crosby had just completed a four-star review for CBS and was anxious to tackle a more difficult project, and Hightower was it. But with the various limitations that live television then presented itself with, Mr. Crosby made the bold decision to film rather than perform it on a CBS television studio stage. So that really makes it the first made-for-TV movie, if you will. Oh, yes. And in casting the film, the decision to go with an unknown Julie Andrews must have been interesting. Can you tell us a bit about what Julie Andrews was doing when she was cast in this film? Julie Andrews had come the year before to America as an 18-year-old to star in Sandy Duncan's 1920 spoof musical, The Boyfriend. Her talent, her musical range, simply captivated everyone who saw the teenager. Crosby and his fiancée, Catherine, listened to her recordings constantly while he was learning his role down in Palm Desert. Marveling at her range, her vocal qualities, ethereal beauty, which they were convinced would make her into a very great star. And we can't really leave out Nancy Olson, who's the other female co-star. She was, after all, Mrs. Alan J. Lerner, who was another resident of South Mountain Road, like the author Maxwell Anderson. She wasn't that excited about her role, was she? I read that she thought of it just as a reacting role. In other words, all she did was react to what Bing Crosby was doing. Is that a fair critique? Not really. While reacting to the easygoing Bing, it is Nancy Olson who centers the entire program with her pragmatism and her earthly common sense. She thus grounds the whole work into the here and now, and it's her great looks, her very modern approach and candor, which prevent Hightower from becoming too whimsical and too fay. She's every bit as important as Crosby and Andrews in the success of the program. So can we talk a little bit about the quality of the singing voices for a moment? I mean, between Julie Andrews and Bing Crosby, you can't really get better voices than that, can you? 
Now, you're certainly correct on that score. Andrew's multi-octave range, her youthful beauty, they're both unbeatable, as is Bing's very comfortable style, excellent phrasing, and again proving well into middle age how comfortable he was in his familiar laid-back role. The film is really peppered with dialogue that references local spots. Having it screened here in Rockland, they'll actually get laughs at some of these lines. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, when we played the film last year at Fort Lee, I was so pleased to hear the tremendous laughter that the local residents gave to Anderson's jokes about their area, such as Crosby's reaction to the bank robbery, where he said, I didn't think they had that much money in the whole town, let alone in the bank. And his comment about the local factory located across from Ossining's Penal Institution. I mean, it was absolutely fabulous to hear raucous laughter where, in most places, you wouldn't understand the humor. Exactly. You're listening to WRCR and Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan, and our topic today is Hightour, the 1956 movie musical based on the play of the same name by Maxwell Anderson, which will be shown at the Lafayette Theater on October 1st. And tickets are available at Fandango.com. They're $5 per person. I'm speaking today with film historian Joe Ransky, and our phone lines are open, so if you have a question or a comment, you can call us at 845-362-0013. That number again is 845-362-0013. High Tour really isn't going to be remembered as a cinematic revelation, is it? So tell us why it's important from a historical perspective. In many respects, that's quite true. Um, Originally, this was intended to have both a television and a theatrical release. And unfortunately, due to the misguided efforts of Paramount executives, they decided that it wasn't large enough or big enough to make it onto the big screen, and therefore its original 1957 distribution was knocked out, which is really a shame. As a result, no one really knows the work, and that's why it is such a rarity. And I do hope people will come and attend the screening. It is a wonderful treat. And tell us a little bit about sort of the mystery of of what people think about of the Lower Hudson Valley. Well, actually, it's basically playing to the old Dutch Washington Irving, Rip Van Winkle idea. And it actually centers the piece because it allows you to have ghosts. And in fact, when the audience comes, I hope they'll notice the tallest sailor ghost. It's the first performance by uh, famous actor and ambassador John Gavin. He doesn't utter a word, and he looks very uncomfortable. But the ghosts themselves really set up the whimsy and the delightful quality of the humor of the piece and also really play off the satire. You know, not only are they specters, but they're also dealing with the whole question of the satire of destroying a natural beauty such as Hightower, for road work construction. 
Let's delve a little bit into the score, which interestingly was done by Arthur Schwartz, who is the father of Jonathan Schwartz, who is a longtime radio personality. You took out the LP from the library to listen to it. It is a beautiful score. Oh, it is a lovely score, and in some respects, it's really a shame that with the exception of Bing Crosby singing a few of the numbers on various musical programs for the next 10 years, it's not really better known. Also, the fact that Anderson loved this project and so loved Hightower that he had started to work on the musical as early as 1949 in creating a new piece. And he actually supplies the lyrics to the piece. Mm -hmm. Now, I hate to say it, he's not an Ira Gershwin, but they fit the mood and they fit the piece. But Schwartz's music is absolutely divine. It really is. The play was first put on Broadway in 1937, and uh, another Rocklander was in that play. That's Burgess Meredith. I know that Burgess Meredith and Maxwell Anderson climbed to the top of High Tour a lot together, and I think that it's interesting to note that Maxwell Anderson was thinking about this as a musical much earlier than it actually ever was really seen by a large number of the public. Oh, yes. And the fact that this whole group of residents who were really attempting to do what John D. Rockefeller II was doing opposite the cloisters in Manhattan in acquiring property and maintaining the integrity of the Palisades for future generations rather than demolishing or developing them into, I hate to say, crash commercialism. I do use the example of when Palisades Amusement Park closed and all of a sudden the Winston Towers went up. That was perfectly fine. And then the entire facade of the Palisade was developed and the look south of the George Washington Bridge was lost. And as a New Yorker, I feel very disappointed not to see the look that used to exist on the Palisades on the New Jersey side of the Hudson. It's very disheartening. So at this point, I'm delighted to welcome Art Gunther to the program. Thanks so much for calling in today, Art. For a small number of listeners who don't know you, Art, take a moment and just tell our listeners about yourself. Yes, I am a third-generation Rocklander who was with the original Journal News in Nyack for 42 years as a photographer, editorialist, and essayist. I wrote a column on local history and various issues for 25 years and continue those essays online at thecolumnrule.com. As a young man, I often climbed high tour, and I read the play on the summit for effect. The 1956 musical High Tour is based on the play of the same name by Maxwell Anderson. Anderson lived here in Rockland, specifically on South Mountain Road, and it was real events that inspired him to write that play. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this play is really a treatment of American Manifest Destiny, and in a smaller sense, the inevitable suburban progress, quote-unquote, that sometimes paves over history in its march for economic and social improvement at the frequent cost of our heritage, and often with the heavy price of encouraging greed. All that's in the play. Maxwell Anderson was an early environmentalist, and also he wanted to keep his South Mountain Road privacy, his writing retreat. 
In the 1930s, the New York uh, Trap Rock Company, later the United States uh, Trap Rock Company, bought big portions of South Mountain, including spots near High Tour, to break up the igneous rock and make road pavement stone. Anderson and some neighbors were opposed, especially when Trap Rock tried to buy the actual High Tour from Elmer Van Orden, the owner. As a playwright, Anderson saw the dramatic elements. The story gave him a new property. Uh, a playwright is always looking for that, and he could bring public attention to the matter. So perhaps you could talk a little bit also about what was happening on South Mountain Road when Anderson was writing High Tour. For example, with whom would Anderson have been interacting at that time? Well, the, the success of the play and the related reviews and press articles helped brighten the spotlight on saving parts of South Mountain. The momentum grew in 1942, Anderson helped organize and served as the chairman of the Rockland County Committee to Save High Tour, which raised money to purchase the property in 43 for the creation of a public park in what is now the Palisades Interstate Park system. So this was really the early days of the conservation movement, wasn't it? Yes, and this High Tour scenario led directly to the formation of the Rockland Conservation uh, Association. So another connection to Rockland, of course, we talked a little bit before about Burgess Meredith, and he was in the first production of the play, right? That's right, on Broadway. Burgess was a social and professional friend who lived a few miles away from Anderson and Pomona. And uh, Meredith played Van Van Dorn, who most likely is Elmer Van Orden, the high tour landowner. The play won the New York Drama Critics Circle Award for the 36-37 season, and Burgess also starred in Maxwell Anderson's Winter Set and The Star Wagon. So I'm going to go back to Joe just for a moment. Tell us uh, a little bit from your vantage point how important a playwright Maxwell Anderson was at that time. Oh, Maxwell Anderson is one of the two most important American playwrights of that era. He and Eugene O'Neill were definitely head and shoulders above everyone else. And High Tour is a work of love and devotion by him not only as a dramatic dream parable, but also a work which is undeservedly unknown today, due, as I said before, to the executives who did not want to follow the original idea of releasing the television special in a slightly longer version in the 1957 season, because they saw the papier-mâché boulders and stripped-down sets, which are the perfect setting for these performances, too subtle and not poignant enough from their commercial means. They really, though, do lend a charming quality to the movie, I think. Oh, yes. Joe, give us a little bit of feedback on how Julie Andrews viewed this performance and reflecting on it now, what one should think about it. Julie Andrews at the time was very concerned because it was her first filmed performance, and she thought she was rather stiff and stilted, yet when you watch her performance, she gives the correct level of ethereal qualities to it. I mean, she is a lovely ghost-like spirit, and I am happy to say that I think her opinion has changed because I know that she is interested in seeing the film fully restored. Currently, it's only held in the Bing Crosby archives, and we are hoping to possibly interest someone in doing a full restoration of the 35-millimeter version. I should also point out that when it was 
shown on television, it was approximately 12 to 14 minutes shorter to fit into the 90-minute time slot. And that's basically the opening sequence where you have a voice describing what is happening as you see several shots of the Hudson River and the real high tour. It's really a beautiful film, and I do hope that a great number of people turn out to see it because it is incredibly rare. It was shown in 2005 at Lincoln Center, the Film Society. It was shown last year to a small group, thanks to the Fort Lee Film Commission and the generosity again of Mrs. Crosby, on the Palisades at the Fort Lee Historic Site. And now this is a tremendous opportunity because... Of course, the Lafayette Theater has a very large capacity, so we can hold a lot of people. And of course, there is no more beautiful single-screen movie palace in our region than the Lafayette Theater. So we want to thank, of course, the Ben Moshe family for their support of this event, and certainly Mrs. Crosby. We are running low on time, so I want to just say thank you so much, Art Gunther, for your perspective and the history. Um, Good luck. Thank you, and we'll see you there. And Joe Ransky, thank you so much for being on on the phone with us today, and please pass along our sincere thanks to Catherine Crosby for allowing us to show the film here in Rockland County. Thank you so much, Claire, for having me today, and I will pass this information on to Catherine and her family. Thanks so much. So once again, the film will kick off Rockland County History Month on Saturday, October 1st at 11.30 a.m. at the Lafayette Theater. Doors open at 10.45 and a Wurlitzer recital at 11 a.m. And since that day is Julie Andrews' birthday, we'll be singing happy birthday to her, so I hope you'll join us for that. Advanced tickets are available at Fandango.com. And there are still a few VIP tickets left. VIP tickets include the film screening and then luncheon and a panel discussion at Marcello's Ristorante. And the panel will uh, include uh, Mr. Ransky, who is here with us, and a few other notables. So I hope you will join us for that. If you are interested in either of those two things, uh, you're going to visit us at rocklandhistory.org and you're going to get your tickets there. You can find out all about the screening, the VIP luncheon, and all of our other events and programs. I hope you will tune in to the next Crossroads of Rockland History on Monday, October 17th, right after the Steve and Jordan Morning Show at 9.30 a.m. Our topic will be history and social media, and my guest will be Cato Hatch, who administers an incredibly popular local history Facebook group called Rockland County Back in the Day. We'll discuss how new technology connects people, how Cato finds content for the page, and the kinds of submissions that are most popular with his fans and friends. I hope you tune in. That's Monday, October 17th at 9.30 a.m. There are many upcoming events and programs on tap at the Historical Society of Rockland County. October is Rockland History Month, and we're celebrating with events such as the upcoming screening of High Tour on October 1st, our ever-popular historical house tour on October 15th, and the Fall Family Festival on October 23rd. If you're interested in learning more about any of these events or programs, visit our website at rocklandhistory.org. Our telephone number is 845-634-9629. And of course, another great way to find out about what's happening at the Historical Society is to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. We also have a blog on Tumblr, which we welcome you to follow. I'm Claire Sheridan. Thanks for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR and WRCR.com.